Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 89 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, you can't avoid it, so you might as well get better by it. In this episode of Reinventure Me, we're going to be throwing around the F word, failure, and the five skills you can learn from it. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 89. Armin did not know I was going to use that intro. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> welcome to this episode of the Reinventure Me Podcast. This is the podcast for what's next in life. And we are here to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the venture God's called you into. This is episode 89, right, Armin? That's right. Which means our show notes are where, Armin? At reinventure.me backslash eight nine. We got that so programmed. I know, in, right? don't we? <laughs> it's it's this perfect system. It's very intuitive. <laughs> it's all that matters. All right, I mean, here's the tee up question for you. What's the one thing you're sure to get by avoiding it? I have no idea. Yes, you do. What? Failure? <laughs> Failure. That's uh-huh. what we're talking about. <laughs> the more you avoid it, the more you get it. The more you avoid failure, the more likely you are to get it. Hmm. Think about it. We can fail when we're trying to do something, obviously, right? Like a you're out doing hurdles. Yeah. running you can fail and knock over the hurdle yeah you can equally fail by not doing something that's true so failure comes whether you're doing it or not doing it you're sure to get it either way that's very true <laughs> i never fact, thought about that like that in fact some of the most profound failure occurs when you're not doing something that's true so in all that we need to make sure when we do something we do it with enthusiasm right that's right that's the only way it gets done and that's what winston churchill would say right oh man are we going there you're gonna <laughs> let me use my quote i love this all right we're going to go straight to the inspire me. All right. So Winston Churchill has some of my favorite failure quotes. And uh, one of my favorites is this. It says, success consists of going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. How much more true could that be? Well, that's actually a very profound statement. Right. How often do I lose enthusiasm when I fail at something? Yeah. It's the most defeating feeling. Yeah. You ever play the game of golf? Well, <laughs> I've, I've attempted. I have about five holes in me before I'm before playing some the different failure, <laughs> failure caused you to lose all enthusiasm yeah. for the game. And I lose patience. And I think this Clearly, is... Winston Churchill never played golf. <laughs> I'm quite sure he did. Oh, I'm sure he did, actually. <laughs> just wasn't good at it. That's probably how he knows. Right? <laughs> oh, failure is one of those topics. In fact, I don't know about you, but I tend to steer away from conversations about failure or books about failure i've why i've read a bunch about it oh okay. but it's not like i'm attracted to failure yeah and reading about failure yeah you know i mean it's you'd much more likely to get a book about success sold than you right. are a book about failure sold right right because i think a lot of us kind of feel like we know what failure is all about well we think we do yeah well it's one of those things that you skirt to avoid you always try to skirt to avoid it 
And one of the things that uh, has fascinated me about failure is that it is the one experience that we can look back on because obviously it's in our past Yeah, that subconsciously shapes what we choose to do in our future. Yeah. And when we've failed at something, we often are trying to find ways to minimize that. The fact of the matter is probably 98% of anything that you do is going to be a failure because failure is part of the DNA of the learning process. Yeah. So you can't learn something if you don't fail at it. We never started out walking without falling down. Right. Never started a little, an English sentence. Although my daughter, you know what my daughter's first full sentence was? I no. think I told you this. You, oh yeah, Shall you told- we watch TV, Daddy? <laughs> It's <laughs> old English. I mean, did she not just you know, kind of nail nail a perfect first sentence in the Queen's English? She always Shall has to one up everyone. I know, right? So, some some surprised. rare cases where people can go through life without experiencing any failure. Right? <laughs> can you imagine how far would science be right now if all scientists avoided failure? In the whole scientific method is built around assuming failure or success as a right. way of learning. What if it was built the other way around? Yeah, that's true. How far along would we be right now? Ooh, you know, we should write a novel about that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to write. The black hole of knowledge. <laughs> well, let me ask you a few questions, Armin. I know we have this generation gap here amongst us. So I can yeah. ask you a question like, do you know who Lily Tomlin is? And you don't. <laughs> you I didn't. What? I didn't. Now I do. Now you and do. I very much and now you're a fan, her. right? I am, I am very, I very much appreciate right. her. Okay. And well, I'm going to ask you a few more. Okay. Do you remember Trafodata? Nope. Trafodata. Wait, wait, wait. Trafodata, that was some big entrepreneur now. He's like a bajillionaire. Yeah. Try, yeah. try. What's my last name? Bill Gates. Bill Gates. That's you got it. it. Yeah, that that, well, that was his first company. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> he, that failed. Yeah. Well, I tried. <laughs> How about the Cleveland Pipers? Who is that? What? That was a basketball team. Oh, that I went bankrupt like in 1962 by the owner. The owner was George Steinbrenner. Really? Current owner of the, of the New York Yankees. He owned the Pipers. The Cleveland even, Pipers. I never even heard of that. Yeah. When it took it right to bankruptcy. Go figure. <laughs> What about Laugh-A-Gram Films? What? Laugh-A-Gram Films. Never heard of that. You haven't? Oh. Well, the founder raised $15,000 for that company and was eventually forced to close it because he lost the deal with an important distribution partner. Huh. Guess who that was? No idea. Walt Disney. Oh, no way. Yeah, the man who was once fired from a newspaper because he lacked creativity. Are you kidding? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot, a lot of very famous failures, right? Yeah, but I didn't know he even tried to go for a newspaper. He worked in a newspaper. No way. And he got fired because he didn't have enough creativity. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, we talked in early, one of our earlier episodes about the professor giving the guy who started FedEx a... That a, I didn't a, know. A C minus or something yeah. because it wasn't viable. Yeah, he thought it was <laughs> a paper on A paper on FedEx. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, of course, you have enough in your own life, I do in oh, mine sure. too, of examples where, you know, volumes. <laughs> a failure and there's catastrophic failures and all kinds of things. But what we want to do is learn from those failures because we'll talk about today five skills that you can learn through failure. All right. So let's start it off at the top. What's the first one, Larry? So the first one is resiliency. And that is, you know, your ability to, to rise again. And it's an obvious one because we all know that, hey, people who were failures became successes because they kept trying. It's the old Edison 
a thousand ways to invent a light bulb, keep going at it, be resilient and all the rest. But it is often the thing that even though it's the most obvious, it's often the most difficult to do. It's just to go, all right, I had that setback. Now it's time to pick up and go on. Right. Well, it's sometimes easier to just stay laying down and have to get back up knowing that you'll probably fall down again. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> Life hits you hard. You get back up. Right? You got the Rocky. I, I, I like it. Hey, that's one of my favorite motivational speeches of all time, I think. <laughs> and what does he end up saying to his son? It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can take a hit and keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's resiliency, right? Yeah. So here's the measure for resiliency for us is that when we experience a setback, the big ones can really just knock the wind out of your gut. Right. And it's like, well, if you, if you lose a job, for instance, right. that can be one of the huge blows, right? Oh, of course. And you can sit there and go, what just happened? And you can wallow in it. You can start looking for other people to blame. You can start doing all the negative negativity. Everybody else was the problem, whatever. Kinda but the like question, Steve Jobs. Yeah. And what was that with Steve? Steve, remember he got fired from his own company? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's right. (laughs) That's right. That's the temptation because we all, when we experience failure, we all rise. Our ego wants to defend itself and wants to say, hey, I'm right here. The problem is, is that the more you do that, the longer you make your recovery time. And the key to developing resiliency is to not only get up and how strong you get up, like Rocky was saying, right? Mm -hmm, right. But how quickly you can rise back up mm. speaking of rocky you know those matches when they get knocked down yeah and he pops right back up again yep. you know that kind of like says you didn't get me down right you know I, i'm not <laughs> down, down to stay down i am <laughs> i'm resilient i'm back up you right. know it's like a whack-a-mole I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> you know so what is the recovery time that you experience with failure mm. and just to say am i beyond that So maybe right now you might be sitting in a situation where you're feeling bad about something you've done and you've not forgiven yourself or you've not forgiven other people and you're lingering. You talked about last week, the choice your mentor said, are you going to get better or bitter? Remember, you're going to linger in bitterness and you're going to delay your recovery time. Yeah. So get up, move on because God's not done with you yet. That's the first skill we have to develop from failure. I think one one of the most challenging parts of being able to get back up, especially if it's a new venture, right? You just went through a venture, you failed, you got back up, you got through it after some time. And then you see a similar venture that you might take and you can foresee the same types of failures, but all of a sudden you think, I don't want to go through that process again. There's way too much risk, right? And that becomes your inhibitor in saying, I I don't want to go through that process. But all that to say, sometimes it's worth the risk. Yeah, well, that re- brings us right into number two, because the second skill we can learn is risk tolerance. Right on. And risk tolerance is the ability to experiment. You know, risk tolerance says, I'm going to come at this like I'm applying the scientific method. Yeah. You know, we talked about that. Yeah. Right. And so what is it about that experience that I can learn what went wrong? How can I test it again, changing one variable at a time or mm-hmm. as few variables as I can? Yeah, to know whether that was just an occurrence that occurred that I didn't have any control over or some things that I can control and do better. And that is the way in which we develop our risk tolerance. Because otherwise, what failure does is it robs us of our ability to take risk. Because out of fear, 
of failure will hold back and we won't sure. look at what we can do next. Yeah. The ironic part is, is you'll keep failing if you even keep doing the same ventures or similar ventures. But the reason I find it to be worth the risk is that you find a way to do that same thing better each time, right? You become more efficient. You learn how to expedite the process. You can foresee the problems coming. I think it's failing that's kind of the process of making you better at what you do. Yeah. Isn't the definition of insanity, someone once said, repeating the same, same thing, thing over, over and over, over again with expecting, expecting different results? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the key here is repeat slightly different things over so you can see how the results vary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that develops your risk tolerance. So what's the third part? Well, third is reflectiveness. Okay. So the third skill we develop from failure is our ability to accurately diagnose what's going on. And that's back to that risk tolerance thing. You can't really set up a new experiment if you can't reflect and figure out what went wrong to begin with. Right. And that's something that really is critical for us to develop a mindset of a learner in mm -hmm. every situation. And, you know, we talk, we hear so much about learning from failure and, and doing all that, yeah. that oftentimes these are just words that just kind of go in one ear and out the other. But if you think about studying for an exam, there are things that you really have to prep yourself for. You can't assume that you have the knowledge about what actually happened. Yeah. And if we want to really get the most from an experience that we've had that was a setback, we have to study it, and not in a morbid way to <laughs> not be able to move on from it, but to right. learn from it, yeah. not to find ways to accuse yourself in a shame-based way, mm. but in a way to understand what it is that you can draw from it. Mm -hmm. And I like what Gordon McDonald said. He said, failure is a master teacher if it has a willing student. Yeah. And if we're not a willing student, of course, we're not going to learn much from it. But the question for us in this part of our skill development is to ask, what habits do I adopt to diagnose my condition and my approach? And we've talked about journaling, for instance, back in episode 24, why mm -hmm. now is the best time to start journaling. And the toolbox kit that you just and did. The, and the toolbox that we did, Reinventure Me uh, 1 toolbox on how to journal more consistently. Journaling and also accountability, which you talked about last week, mm -hmm. and some other tools are there to help us learn from our failures because we can't just assume that our instant analysis of what went wrong is accurate. And if we don't trust ourselves in a healthy way for that analysis, we're right. going to learn a lot more from it. So true. All right. So what's the fourth piece, Larry? Uh, relatability. Now I like this one because it's the hard, it's one of the hardest. I said that about the first one and this probably could say that about the second, and the third. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it until you get to the last one. Well, you know what? Relatability is really key. And relatability is the ability to connect with others openly and honestly. Right. You know, and I just finished this pastorate down at uh, this church not too far from where we're at right now, Armin, over the last year. And one of the things that I went in there on uh, Sunday mornings, I wanted to always be open about the struggles that I have hmm. as a believer trying to live out my faith. Sure. As opposed to standing up in a pulpit and saying, hey, this is how it ought to be done. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And looking perfect for the part. I sure. can't tell you how many people came up to me and they didn't comment on the practical pieces that I shared or the points that I made or the theological references or any of the truths. They commented on the fact that I opened up and made myself vulnerable with them, sharing some of the things sure. that I absolutely wrestle with. Yeah. And people respond well to that. And I think that's back to that. Do I learn from the experiences that I've had that didn't go so well? Sure. 
And what did I learn? I mean, I'll give you an example of one. This is crazy, but you're going to laugh at this. But, you know, my lovely wife, 35 years, I love her. I love her to death. Right. But I still cringe that when we were first dating, not when we were first dating, actually when we were engaged, right? We went to a restaurant and I pulled out her chair so she could sit down. And I thought it'd be kind of funny to continue to pull out her chair. And she sat down trusting me and ended up landing on the floor. Of course, it wasn't very funny. I was thinking it was I'm kind of funny. Cringy I know, as right? Oh, I know. And I'm like, I felt like a total oaf. And she basically said, "Are you the man I really am wanting to marry?" <laughs> oh my gosh, Larry! In a public restaurant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Larry. So it's one of those embarrassing moments that I'm still embarrassed to say I did it. But I'll tell you what. Oh my gosh! I learned. From that I very so. simple we all thing, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. I know it's terrible. I'm still cringing from that story. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, and man. so, if failure can occur obviously relationally, as I just experienced, <laughs> as I just shared. But it can appear in you know your career and in words that you say, words that I have spoken to other people that I regret. You know, that's one thing about. Words is that they can go out so quickly and you never, ever, ever get them back. That's true. You know, it's one of my biggest problems. I extrovert everything. <laughs> can I have that back? No. Yeah, and just be careful when you're tired, right? <laughs> oh, man, that's the worst. So the question here is in the relatability piece, how forthcoming am I about the challenges and failures I've experienced? Mm, yeah. You know, how open am I to just say, hey, that I experienced that and I've learned from it? It's not defining who I am. In yeah. the sense that I carry it as a shame piece of me, but it is adding value to me because I've learned from it, even though it was a stupid, like my example, right. it's really a stupid thing to do, but a little bit. I, I did it. No, not a little bit. It was a lot bit, you know? And there's a part of me that always kind of like wonders whatever what? possessed me to do that. You know, you ever feel like you had a. The you why had a glitch. God, why moment. You, you, had a, you had a power glitch or something. <laughs> something just happened. You go, well, that was just bizarre. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was somebody else. <laughs> I was possessed. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> That's right. so good. All right. And quickly, the last, uh, last skill I think we can learn from uh, failure is the skill of reframing. And that is the ability to see bridges and connections to new opportunities. You know, I like what Henry Ford described failure as the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Mm -hmm. And when we see what we've done, <laughs> we can start to say, all right, I'm going to accumulate some assets from this. There are some things that I can learn and that it's experienced that's going to make it less challenging the next time. In fact, the very fact of failure can be a bridge to new opportunities. Right. I remember reading about Microsoft years ago. We we're looking for people to hire precisely those who have had a lot of occupational changes hmm. and it's counterintuitive to the history of what you might look at. You might look at somebody's resume and go, Oh, they've had too many career swaps. There must not be any good. Well, Microsoft at that point was saying, no, we want to get people that have been in as many cultures as possible because that says that they have a lot of diversity in their experience, mm. make them more likely to succeed here in our own culture. They weren't looking wow. for lifetime employees as much as they were people that were used to change because they were in a high change environment. So wow, I never knew that. You can use some things that are setbacks and can be seen and can be actually used as assets going, taking you forward. 
For sure. I don't remember the story, but I remember one of my friends just telling me about his old boss. And before he started a financial firm, um, he started it, made it successful. He actually almost got his license or certification barred by the SEC because the type of marketing he was doing wasn't exactly legal. But I mean, he wasn't intentionally doing it to do something fraudulent. So they shut him down. He started another business and he's already one of the biggest financial management companies in the country. Mm. But he does the same marketing that he did before. He learned how to make it legal. And it was that process that's allowed him to be one of the most successful financial men. And privately, just by himself, doesn't have a bunch of partners. He's managing hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. But it was that failure that made him the success yeah. that he is because no one else would try it because everybody knew it was illegal. So they never tried it. He didn't even look at the illegalities. He just tried it, <laughs> failed, and came back in and made it work. Failed to success. Well, there you go. And that's, I think a lot of us will fail at something and then we'll be done with it. Right. And we won't, we won't learn from it. We won't try it again. And, and that does keep us back from our next great beginning. Right on. So how do you challenge someone to <laughs> fail? fail? <laughs> I challenge you to fail. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. Whatever you're doing good at, fail. <laughs> well, I tried to put questions against each of these kind of as a way of diagnosing how your skill is developed in each of those areas. So maybe the challenge me for this episode would be simply just to say, think back over the last failure, remember, and pick one of the skills that we talked about, one of those five skills, and ask yourself the question related to that skill and just say, how well am I developing in that area? Hmm. Now, that actually takes intentionality. It takes sitting down and thinking about it as opposed to just passing over it and letting it pass you by. So that's really, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening because you are that kind of person that wants to grow and develop and develop those kinds of intentionalities. In fact, this is a real challenging challenge me, I think. Yeah. Because often the failures we have are the first things we want to dismiss. We want to get them out of our system. Yeah. We want to get on with it. It's kind of like detoxing. Right? Yeah. It's about it. like, yeah, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sense on. of shame that comes with it, which is what well, sucks. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And it's hard to divorce that and to take the view of saying, oh, no, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to learn something from this. If it happened, it happened. I can't change history. But what I can do is I can say that part of what I experienced, I'm going to make the very best of yeah. going forward. Right on. I love that. So I know we're running out of time here, but you forwarded me a couple of... Yeah, uh, we did get some listener feedback. Yeah. I think it's worth talking about. Can you... I, yeah, I'd be happy to do this. So, so let's see. Last episode was our Transforming Power of Accountability, episode 86, and a listener wrote in and said, this message was a punch in the gut. It really hit home. The logical part of me agrees completely with the Venture Accountability Group. I need it. But when it comes to being vulnerable and trusting, I resist. Hmm. I have bubble wrapped around my world, <laughs> so I do not let too much in or, or out. I can see that I will have a fuller life if I remove the bubble wrap, but I'm not sure how to take the first step. And God led me to your message when I needed it most. I need to say yes and keep moving forward. Well, that's an encouragement. Right on. That's a that's a big encouragement. So good. Yeah. I mean, he's being vulnerable just right writing that and putting it out there. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, there are times, Armin, I think you can confirm this. There are times when you and I are sitting here and go, okay, what... What is it that we need to be putting together for these shows? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. at least like, twice a month, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so to get a to get a message like that and feedback like that, it's just just encouraging. Oh yeah, uh, to say that, the least. Yeah, that, uh, you know, the stuff we're working on is helpful to others. And then episode eighty five, we talked about how to handle toxic people, and a listener wrote actually a fairly lengthy message. I'll just pull out a piece of it. But she took me to task about some of the language that I was using in that episode. And I think this is a fair comment. Be careful in labeling a person, even in your mind, as a toxic person. We all act in toxic manners at times. 
label the behavior, not the person, or attack the sin and not the sinner. Mm-hmm. I, that's just actually absolutely spot on. The comment about toxic people is kind of a shorthand comment to those people who are recalcitrant. You might have talked to them about their behavior, which is negative and cutting and has no redeeming value other than to tear you down. Right. And so those are the people that I have in mind, that not those that will come along and they might do something that might offend you or you know, annoying from time to time. We can all deal with those people. That's not a reason to necessarily dismiss or push them out of your lives. But there are people who I believe are what the Bible would call fools. You cannot, (laughs) they will not change their behavior regardless of the evidence that's presented that says this is bad behavior for you and it's bad behavior for others. And in those cases, I think Jesus says, wipe the dust off your feet. You're not received there do not worry about it. Don't suffer a fool any more than you need to. Don't throw your pearl before swine. And we could go on with more and more parables. Right. But I think the point is, is that we need to draw healthy lines in the sand mm. about what is allowable to destroy us. Because after all, we are God's creation. And there's no point in allowing someone else yep. to destroy that work as well. And we don't need to allow that in our lives. But I don't have in mind, as, as she rightly says, I don't have in mind uh, labeling everyone behavior as a toxic person right and people do change i mean even toxic people can become less toxic yeah the question you have to ask yourself is do you want to do it on your time (laughs) so yeah i mean there's the developers and there's the maximizers anybody who's got the maximizer mentality they have no time for some people like that well and i think too it's a matter of your own personal resilience yeah Uh, Some people are much more capable of dealing with other people. And toxicity is a degree, right? What's Mm -hmm. toxic for one person may not be toxic for another person, right? And so you have to be sensitive to your own ability to have resilience. I would say try to grow in that. Give as much grace as you can to those who are toxic. But at some point in time, they may cross over the line and you have to take the actions that we were talking about in that episode. If you haven't listened to episode 85 and you find any of what we're talking about kind of intriguing (laughs) or you want to jump in on the conversation about whether we were across the line or or below the line, maybe we didn't hit hard enough. We actually had some of that comment as well. Feel free to leave us a a comment on our show. That would have been episode 85. Mm -hmm. Why don't you take us out of here, Armin? Because I think we're out of time. For sure. So if you guys liked what you were hearing and you want to check out the show notes for this episode, make sure to go to reinventure.me backslash 89. And if you guys want to keep up with all the episodes that we release every week, just make sure you go to reinventure.me and subscribe with your email to our show. And we'll make sure to just send them out to you every time they're released. You can find us on all the social media feeds, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, Plus, all that other stuff. And if Don't you forget guys, Pinterest. What's that? Don't forget Pinterest. Pinterest. That's the most crucial of all. <laughs> so, uh, And uh, if you guys would do us the biggest favor, if you guys have any thoughts that you want to share with the public about this show, please go to reinventure.me backslash iTunes or reinventure.me backslash Stitcher and leave a review for us. And uh, let us know how we're doing. And other than that, our favorite thing, give us a call, 612-314-5447. But for now, we're going to bid you adieu. This is Armin Asadi. And Larry Gates. See you guys next time. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 